Hello and welcome to Plan Francisco, the new podcast that interviews the best and brightest financial planning professionals in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz. I need a plan, a magic key. Today, my guest is John Helms with John Helms & Associates. John's a leader in the health insurance advisor community and served as past president of the Golden Gate Association of Health Underwriters. He has his thumb on the pulse of the private health insurance industry, the future of our state exchange, and potential shortcomings down the line. Pay close attention to his evolution alongside his clients and how he structures plans that lead to conversations around individual disability coverage, as well as his words of wisdom for industry newcomers. John's one of the local greats, a great advisor and a great man, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. John, thanks for joining us. Max, thank you you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So... Let's start off and, and just kind of get a sense for what you do on a daily basis. So what, how would you describe what you do? Okay. Um, I call myself a health insurance broker, mm-hmm. and it's very similar to what you just said about the name of your business, which is it gets the point across very quickly, right? Okay. There's no um, guessing at what I do. Um, so we, I, we handle primarily group benefits here, um, although we do some individual family plans and 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 some life insurance some other things but almost everything we sell has multiple lives attached to it so that's really what we what we do and we're almost entirely commission oriented so um, that's that's basically how we bring in revenues so does that mean you're you guys are focusing on family groups or is it employer groups or association groups okay we tend to sell um, the, the typical client of mine max would be um, owner operated is how I describe it okay um, it has a very sharp triangle in terms of the decision-making process so there's typically one owner who works in the business um, and then they'll have administrative administrators underneath them who generally handle the health insurance um, and, and I just I, I tend to be more suited to that type of personality so it's very much business to business type type arrangement um, I do have a few nonprofits um, that I work with I do have some larger companies that are that are corporations that are you know publicly traded type corporations um, but I tend to shy away from those a little bit because I just tend to be oriented far more towards um, a very narrow decision-making process. I like that much better, actually. Um, And uh, I I don't like companies where there's multiple decision-makers and things like that, so. Mm -hmm. Less hurdles, yeah. Yeah, and and, and just, um, it just just suits typically how I tend to be wired, I would say, or, you know, it's very um, natural for me to work in that marketplace. Sounds good. So can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, the DNA of your practice? You know how many staff you have, what sort, what the operations okay. look like. Sure. Um, well, I would say first of all, I'd say eighty percent of my revenues come from group health insurance. Okay. Um, and then the rest of that is made up by dental insurance or group disability insurance, which is a, a small portion of that, but um, but also vision and group life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the IFP makes up the sort of the balance of that of that business. Um, I would say that our typical client has probably 10 employees in it. So it's, I tend to have small companies. Some of them are fairly large, though. I, I, um, I, I do have some significant companies that I work with, but we have a lot of companies, quite frankly, that are one to two employees or four or five employees. We don't really shy away from that business. Almost every single large client I have, I got when they were one or two or three employees or, or maybe, you know, uh, you know, no more than 20 employees, right? Right. So it's a great way to grow a business. Yeah, you have to have the patience of Job to do that because, you know, obviously you're getting them while they're 
just starting, but it's but it's also great to grow with them, and I really really like doing that. Um, we internally here, there's four of us in the office. I maxed out at five people, but I have two support people. And then um, I'm here, and then also Rob Gotelli, who you spoke with this morning, um, is a salesman, and he's um, primarily in a sales role. Although, you know, we wear a lot of hats in this business. You know, when you're this small, as I was saying earlier, when somebody's out for the day, you know, their kid has to go to, you know, the graduation ceremony or something, we all fill in and answer phones and do things like that. So um, we're not particularly hierarchical. As, as I say, you know, we, we all have our jobs, but we work together, you know, as a team and sure. uh, try to help people. So excellent. that's our cliche that we use. So I would love to get a little bit more background on, you know, for how you got into this business and everything. So who would you or what would you say is responsible for bringing you into the industry and uh, also want to know why'd you stay? Okay. Well, um, like a lot of people, I, I'm sort of accidental in this business at, at a certain degree. Now, um, my degree is in finance. So I went to California State University, Chico, um, oh, and, yeah. and that was a long time ago. Um, and I originally came into, into I've always enjoyed working with money. Um, I have a old, two older brothers. One is an accountant. One is a investment advisor. Um, and so we kind of rounded out the troika with me going into the insurance <laughs> business. But I got into the business, Max, when I was 25 years old. Okay, So I was pretty young, and I was straight out of college. I had no contacts whatsoever. So quite frankly, I think the insurance business was more suitable because nobody I knew had any money. And so you know, I, I, there was nothing I could invest. You know, I, I really would not have made it in the business had I had I gone in, in that route. Okay, sure. but, um, but I actually, you know, interestingly enough, having family members who are who are in financial services but a different part. I'm actually very glad I went into insurance because I think I'm more suited to that. I enjoy the sort of the rhythm of the business. Um, y- y- you know, a stockbroker has to get up at nine and leaves at, you know, four or whatever, and, you know, accountants have a different, you know, they revolve around taxis and things like that. Um, so I got into the business, and I, and I like it, right. you know, and I get a lot out of it. So Excellent. So on that note, what is your favorite part of what you do? Well, I think that... Um, First of all, I really believe in what I do. Um, it's a very substantial business because you're dealing with people's health and you're dealing with their money, right? Because right. I, I do primarily health insurance. That's really the, the focus. All they do other things. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of clients who, you know, go through some very serious situations, you know, with, with either uh, medical situations or, um, you know, which ends up either being a health issue or it could be a financial issue. You know, we've had many claims, many claims that... Um, I can count on more than two hands that are more than a million dollars. You know, we have ones all the time that are a quarter of a million or half a million dollars, right? And so we don't even bat an eye. So it's a very deep business because you're dealing with people in the most important part of their life. And sometimes it's a thankless business. You know, it's funny. The, the, the rewards of the business are sort of are sort of backwards in a sense. First of all, it's a very intangible business. You can't see or smell or, you know, hear anything that you do. So it can be very hard and then we sell something that we hope people don't use, right? You know, you're, you're hoping they don't use it. But when, but when you're really coming to, to the fore when, is when they need you, is when they get sick and when they're hurt. And, and so what happens is that, you know, you're there during maybe the worst period in their life or a very, very difficult, stressful situation. Um, and it can be very, very taxing because it's, it's, it's hard. You're dealing with people that are very emotional, they're very frustrated frequently. You know, everybody hates health insurance. They need it, but it's a very, very frustrating business. I know that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, it, but, it's, but it's very deep on a, on a personal level because, um, 
you know, you're helping people in a very fundamental way. And, you know, to be honest, Max, I'm not sure, you know, sometimes I think about it, the stress sometimes gets to me, but I, I think about what else would I do? And I think I would have a very hard time doing something frivolous or trivial because it's just, you know, it wouldn't have the same meaning, right. you know, as, as, as what we do. So see that so much. I mean, the, the best, the people who are the best in this business I found are really doing it with just an extraordinary purpose. So, and that's exactly why we wanted to talk to you today. What do you think is the most common mistake you see your clients making, and what's the most common solution you provide? Well, I think um, that's kind of a softball question, but I would say a very big part of that is not buying disability insurance. Sure. Um, you know, we, we as, I, as I said, I tend to work a lot with small companies, and, and the budgets are always very limited when you're in a situation like that, always. Um, and frequently what employers will do is they will get the health insurance, and they're lucky if they can buy that. I mean, you know, if we're talking to a new group, um, a lot of times it's delayed for months or even years um, because it's just not affordable, and eventually they will get it. But, but once again, you have to be very, very patient. But um, what I see companies doing frequently, Max, are they'll, they'll go from the health insurance then right to the dental insurance because it tends to be the more popular thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, very um, uh, common. But, you know, being trained in finance and, you know, we understand insurance is really there to budget for things or it's there to pay for things you can't budget for, right? right. So a long-term disability specifically um, is, is exactly one of those things because, as I said, we have many significant claims on the health insurance, but um, that also has a potential with a long-term disability. So I think that's a really common mistake is that people skip over that. Um, and we're trying to correct that as much as we can because because obviously I'm aware of it, and and we're trying to talk to our clients about it as much as possible. That's great. How do you how do you identify which people are most, um, you know, who, who are most subjected to that right. mistake? I guess? Well, I think a lot of the you know first of all with the group DI we tend to focus on groups with over ten people because what you find is it okay. tends to be a better value from from the products that are sold typically. Definitely. And also white collar. Now, one of the things that, about my business is that it's not purely a white collar pursuit because we tend to, you know, most investment advisors or people in the financial services industry tend to look for high net worth individuals, right? So people right. that are selling disability insurance in particular, they're focused on doctors and lawyers and what have you because that's who buys the, the individual DI plans. The majority of my clients are rank and file people. They're plumbers. They're you know carpenters. They're a lot of construction people. They're restaurants. They're all the kind of things that, that as you just walk down the street, you bump into a client of mine. If I'm walking down the street, I see my clients all the time. You know because they're they're just people within within the community. So you know what happens is that it's 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 more limited in a sense, but um, but that's sort of the sort of the first criteria we look at. I, I think in California, there's a relatively good short-term disability plan. We tend to focus on the long-term disability and not go after the short-term disability, which is um, which is there. Also, um, as I said, well, I didn't say this part, but I, I tend to be very frugal. That's one of my personality traits, I would say. It's a good thing to have in a broker, too, by the way, because we tend to always try to save money. <laughs> but the, the long-term disability is great because, um, because really, once again, you're covering for a large claim. And then the idea is that hopefully people can save and, they'll, and ideally... Um, and I know this is easier said than done, but they have you know three months or six months worth of liquid assets on hand that they can use to, to cover short-term disability or very similar with, with a 
health insurance plan, they can carry a larger deductible and they don't have to pay as high a premium, right? right? So right. ideally, and of course we're doing this on a mass scale, so it's not so easy, but so if you're, if you're prioritizing the products, I would say you have the health insurance followed by the long-term disability insurance, mm -hmm. then maybe the dental insurance and the group life is okay, but or the vision, but they tend to be um, you know, if people need a significant amount, then there's other ways you can go about buying the life right. insurance. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of businesses who end up doing the full scale, you know, health insurance, LTD, group life, and dental, they're typically doing like a check the box sort of mentality. Correct. That's what they're bringing yeah, to the table. Yeah, absolutely. Because because a lot of um, employers, remember, I don't deal a lot with, hardly at all with government employees. I do have a couple of sort of quasi-governmental companies that I work with. But, um, you know, let's say you're a civil engineer. You know, you're competing with the government for your employees, and if they have a full benefit package, you have to make it look somewhat similar to that. Sure. Um, if you're a startup company, you're competing for employees. Now, and one of the tricks there is that um, with a startup is that you don't want to give away the store because you want to start making money, but that's always very difficult. Sometimes it takes months, even years, before a company can break even. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the art of setting up a plan is is trying to keep the cost down as much as possible. So sometimes you have to mimic a richer plan. Um, and you could do that by maybe offering a silver instead of a gold or a platinum, but also the group DI is a very good thing because the cost tends to be very low on that, and then it leaves the, the executives then to purchase an individual disability plan or, or individual life insurance plan so that they don't have to buy a significant amount of coverage up front. And then the, and then the other thing that goes along with that is that you know if they have to hire people in though they have to get the health insurance. It's sort of a chicken and the egg kind of thing because if they don't have it, they have a hard time attracting people. And anybody who comes to work for them who's married or has children, they're not going to come work if they don't have a plan already. So that tends to be be very judicious how you set it up because it's it's um, you know it's just key to getting that done. Right. So you mentioned something about the Affordable Care Act plans, mm -hmm. I, and obviously we've seen a ton of change in the health insurance industry in the last five to ten years. Mm -hmm. Where do you see it going in the next five to ten? Well, as a small broker, I'm independent, and currently there's larger entities that are insurance agencies, but they but they tend to be um, buying up blocks of business right now, mm -hmm. and so. They're hovering in the background. Now they they're they're growing almost entirely by acquisitions, by buying out agents' blocks of business. Right. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon because it, it it's actually a very healthy thing in many ways because it, it gives an end game for agents who who don't have an heir apparent that they've groomed to put in the position or that's not what they want to do. So there's always the possibility of selling out the block of business. But it also leaves a couple opportunities because a lot of the smaller companies, they tend to like larger companies or sort of mid-sized companies when, mm -hmm. they're, when they're buying up these blocks of business. Mm -hmm. So what I find, Max, is that um, a lot of the um, smaller firms or the startup firms really are being ignored right now. So as somebody like myself who's in the trenches and we're trying to get new business, it's actually a great opportunity because because a lot of that market is just being ignored and, and quite frankly not getting a very high level of service and so that's really where we tend to shine and how we try to grow our business another thing also I think no surprises here but I think it's gonna become more political you know it's and um, which makes it more volatile you know um, so we'll see what happens I mean obviously you know, I was very involved with Nahu uh, a couple years ago as the president of Gagahu and uh, we, of course, we lobby every year. I didn't do it this year, but um, but it's but it's anybody's game right now because it's um, 
you know, there, there's, there's actually, ironically, I was going to say a lot going on, but there's actually very little going on. They have, they can't agree on anything, right? <laughs> and so the industry is going to suffer. I think particularly with the IFP marketplace, individual family plans. Um, mm-hmm. um, so that is very unstable right now. And you and so if you see rate increases or doctors leaving the plans, it's going to happen first really with the individual marketplace. So so I think that's really where all the pressure is right now. And unfortunately, not enough agents are going into that marketplace. So I, I would like to see that change because that is just going to create a problem for everybody. Do you see state exchanges picking up the slack? It still boils down to the cost of the plans. Sure. You know, I, I, th- I think in California in particular, um, there was so much invested in the exchange that it worked fairly well. You know, initially there were all the teething problems that went along with it. And it was incredibly annoying. And you know, I don't want to get started on this, but but there's there's a lot of shortcomings with it. But the reality is is that people are able to get coverage there, or the and, and of course they can also get the the advanced premium tax credit, which is which is critical. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a viable market before. They, you know, they could have actually not had exchanges and just offered the tax credits to people who bought plans directly from companies. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't done that way. So so I don't think by themselves the exchanges will do. Um, they're not magical. It won't. It won't change that too much. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned your affiliation with the National Association of Health Underwriters, mm-hmm. or NAHU. Um, can you explain the role of NAHU in your professional development? You know, I was kind of a latecomer to NAHU. You know, mm-hmm. and and I've, I have a pang of guilt that goes along with that because I, <laughs> I was in and out of it for years. And I, I started the business very young, but I didn't stay really in NAHU. I came in and out, and and quite frankly, I didn't really value it at the time, which is unfortunate. But I think as I became more established in the business, um, you know, I wanted to give something back to the industry, you know, which is really what, what attracted me to it. And I think it's incredibly important. There's very few organizations that do what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I'm very disappointed in, in agents not supporting more, um, although there are many who do support us. And thank you for that support. But um, we wouldn't have a job if NAHU didn't exist. And I, and I think that can't be understated enough. I also get a lot out of it personally. You know, I'm a, um, very isolated. It, you know, this is typical of a, of a broker, you know, business owner, where I tend to focus on my business all day long. Mm-hmm. And... What it does allows me to get out amongst my peers. Um, I can learn what everybody else is doing. There's very high level professional type education. Mm. And the further up the food chain I go, the, the, the fewer sources of good information there are to learn what you do. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is very similar to why I work with you, Max, because you know, I, I, I need to have a network of people around me. You know, um, I, I don't do it all myself. I have internally we I have staff people here that really carry the weight of a lot of what we do and, and quite frankly make me look good because you know, you know, they're, they're a huge help. But there's also a lot of people outside of this office that, that I work with. They're general agents, um, including yourself in that category, um, you know, with, 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 this, with DI and long-term care. Um, you know, we use general agents for our health insurance products. We use them for all of our products. Whenever possible, I try to work through a general agent. Oh, that's great. Um, and not just because they have all the products, but we get great, a great level of service and it allows me as a small firm to compete with larger firms because I'm never at a competitive disadvantage. So, um, so it's a, so it's very very important professionally, and 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 I also just enjoy it. And the longer I'm there, uh, these people are now my friends. You know, I, I go to conventions and I go to meetings, yeah. and now that I'm not running the things, um, I could sit in the back and just you know <laughs> rap with all my friends that, that I couldn't a couple years ago when I was busy being major domo at the events. So, right. So I, I really 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 appreciate it. And also lastly gives us a chance to talk to our sponsors. I think um, there's so many people there that support us. 
And this is how I know, this is how I learned the products, you know, know your customer, know your products. And um, so um, there's so many great people that are part of the organization that compelling. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're not a member, join and, and go because you'll get a lot out of it. I know that was a big part of your life. So it's good to see you kind of taking a break from it. And, <laughs> Chilling out. And, yeah. I mean, and on that note, are you, are, do you have any fun opportunities or challenges that you're looking forward to here in the near future? Um, Max, when I got out of, out of being the president of Gagahu, I really threw myself into the business because, you know, it, it's not just a one-year commitment. You really have all the lead up to that and the yeah. other committee positions and things. And the truth is I, I'm, I'm frazzled to a bone. I've got a seven-year-old kid. I have older <laughs> kids too, right? So my personal life is very full. Good. My business is a constant demand. So what I did is, is I really refocused on my business again and sort of threw myself into that. Um, and, you know, we're like everybody else, you know, we're, we're doing okay. But, but the truth is, um, you know, it's hard. There, you know, nothing comes easy in the market right now. You know, growth is very, very hard. I mean, we've tried everything. We've tried a number of different marketing things. But we're, we're really going hog wild right now. And first of all, we updated our contact management system, which is really the platform for everything we're doing. So we got very sophisticated now. We're um, handling our marketing. As I said, you know, Rob Gutelli's here, and I'm here as a, two sales people. So we're trying very hard to not take the agent out of the equation. So we're, right. we're really trying to build up how we can talk to people because that's really what's missing, especially with these companies that are 5, 10, 20 employees who just don't have anybody come up and talk to them. And they're just so happy to have good service and really, you know, and, and people that, that are happy to have them as clients. It's it, it is. And it's, and it's a great, great, great way to run a business. So, so you know, what we're doing is, is we're now that we've got the contact management part of it out of the way, um, that we're, we're now getting heavily into social marketing and we're going to get involved in that, doing videos. And um, this is sort of my first uh, attempt here at a podcast. So thank you very much, Max, for inviting oh, sure. me. Yeah. It's actually quite a bit of fun, actually. And uh, but, but, we're, but we're really trying to build up our sort of our tactical tools that we have to talk to people because, you know, what's happening is sort of the linear approach to marketing, in my opinion, is getting harder and harder. When you talk to people directly, hey, can we get you a quote on health insurance? You know, that's a very, very difficult thing to crack into right now. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're trying as hard as we can to be clever because because people, because of the internet and the social proof and all this different stuff that goes on, is the decision-making process is different. I've really noticed it in my career. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. So, um, you know, rather than try to fight it, we're sort of getting with it. We're trying to develop our marketing, sort of an account-based marketing type approach is what we're doing. And so, for instance, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I wanted to mention this earlier, but I, I, it escaped me. But, um, you know, one, one of the things is that that with disability insurance, and I mentioned I tend to do the group. I tend to come in sort of the back door, if you will, versus the front door with the sure. individual plans, okay? <laughs> but um, but it works for us. And I, and I think it's very key right now because, you know, half of the population, half the insured population in the Bay Area is now covered by Kaiser. So, you know, when we're calling a company on the phone and saying, you know, hi, you know, we'd like to talk to you about your group health insurance, um, very frequently somebody says, well, we have Kaiser. And these are people that maybe were even born in a Kaiser hospital. They're not changing, right? You know, it's right. not like, can I sell you a Blue Cross or Health Med or something? It doesn't really work. But what we found is that the disability is a great door opener. Okay, also dental insurance because that's not where they're really strong at. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we try to pick up that portion of the business and then we can turn around and grab the other portion through a broker of record letter. Say, look, that since we helped you with this, how about now if we come back and talk to you 
about your health insurance. I know you like Kaiser, but would you like us to service that part of your business for you? Beautiful. Yeah. So it's an incredibly long-term strategy. As we say, you have to kiss a lot of frogs, you know, to get a print sometimes. But, <laughs> but, but it works, and I, and I have some very significant accounts that we've picked up precisely because we led with the disability insurance. And the other broker would say, no, 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 I don't like to get involved with that or I don't want to understand it. But the client did want to understand it. They were very happy that someone who was knowledgeable came out and talked to them about it sure. and eventually pick up the rest of the business because, you know, once that client says, look, John, I, this broker, you know, didn't, you know, I, we're not happy with them. Can you help us? Of course, we're right there to pick up the business. So, you know, I'm not coy about it. And that's a, actually a, a, a great strategy if you're an agent to pick up clients right now because, as you know, Max, nobody's moving their health insurance right now. Our persistency okay. is darn near 100%. I mean, wow. we're not losing wow. clients, but nobody else is losing clients. They're not, sure. you know, they're, they're, every agent's camping out of their clients. Most of them are getting great service right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so how do you pick up business in an environment like that? It's, it's coming up with something new and then trying to, to uh, market that way. So what are the, some of the criteria when you're implementing a group disability plan? That, what, what are the criteria you're looking for um, and some of the strategies that you involve in that process? Well, it, it, once again, it goes back to what I said initially where we bring it in, into the process. So we start talking about disability insurance. A lot of times people aren't even aware of it. You know, mm-hmm. it is how, because the under 10 life, under 20 life groups are horribly underserviced, mm-hmm. right? So... We, we try to contact people and make them aware of that. And then, of course, we're trying to deliver personal service. So when we're talking with them, we, we do consultative selling. And every client's different. You know, a lot of times, you know, we end up doing what the client wants to do. And, you know, if they say, look, we want dental insurance versus DI, that's what we do. Or if they say, look, this just doesn't ring my bell. But we try to bring it up with everybody yeah. and, and, and market it that way. And then if somebody has, you know, sometimes we run in a typical group DI plan is going to cover up to maybe five or six thousand dollars a month of coverage, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But you know, we have many clients who who are making a hundred thousand. Well, that's about the cutoff there. But you know, two hundred thousand, or two hundred fifty thousand, or four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And so, what they really need to do then is expand and get a personal policy. And they're very expensive right now. But it, but it opens up the door to sort of the personal market and the life insurance and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. quite honestly, I haven't been nearly as effective as I should be, particularly because I came out of that part of the you know my first. Yeah five years in the business we're in that market um are marketing those products but um but i'm trying to get back into it and with your help max you know we'll uh, hopefully I'll be more successful at it so i think i know a good general agent who would be able to assist in those cases absolutely um so knowing what you know today what would you have done differently if you were just starting out okay um let me give you a story here on this and that is my son um oleg is going to be graduating from san Luis obispo or his last day of class is on the 12th. Today is what, the 8th, okay? So um, very proud of him. And he's a very, very, very smart man. Um, he's 22 years old. And something he did, which I did not do, okay? Now, I, I worked my way through college. I had maybe construction jobs, things like that. And I'm very proud of that. But, mm-hmm. but something I didn't do is I didn't get in the industry when I was in college, right? I had a mm-hmm. finance degree, and I knew I was going to get out and do something else. But I didn't do internships, or I didn't in the summertime when I worked. Um, or when I was working, I didn't work at an insurance agency, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things I didn't know when I got in. And, and so, um, you know, every year he did an in- internship, and he's already got a job lined up. He's got a job, I think, set up on the 19th. So he's getting out of school. We're going to go to his graduation the following week. He's going to, you know, he's going into a, a job in what he wanted to do, right? So I, I would say number one is, is, is look at your opportunities as internships. You know, try to get around, you know, I'm talking mainly to younger people. I'm, I'm 58, so I've, you know, my, I've got more days um, 
uh, behind me than in front of me. But uh, but try to get in with and around successful people. If, you know, if that means working at an, at an agency where there's other brokers there that you can learn from, that might be a great way to break into the business. Mm. You know, if you join Nahu, for instance, or get around more senior agents that have been in the business a while and learn what they're learning because that way you don't learn by mistakes. You know, the, the problem with trying to have to do everything by yourself is that you just learn the hard way. And then I'd also go back to what I said before is working with general agents, you know, like dis, like DI and long-term care or, um, you know, all the other GAs that I work with and, 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 you know, get around a network of professionals. You know, you don't have to handle everything in this business. There's a lot of things I don't know. Mm-hmm. Disability is one of them, particularly the in, individual part of the marketplace, but I have max that I can work with, you know, and, and that's, a, and that's, an incredibly valuable thing because when I talk to a client, I always want to say the right thing and give accurate information, but I don't have to know everything. You know, I'm not an accountant. I'm not an attorney. You know, being a salesman, it's hard to say no to clients, but sometimes you have to just put the brakes on and say, look, I specialize in what I do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think I'm going to have you talk to someone else at this point about it. And by having a network of people around who you know that are not only technically competent, but are polished people, you know, in dealing with people and, and, and people you trust around your A-list, then, you know, it, it, it allows you to kind of thrive in a, in, in a market where um, where you just don't have to do everything, right. which you can't, you know. So I would say that's that would be my, my words of wisdom on that. No, that's great. So it's been really fun chatting with you. I, I did have one more question because I know this is something that you pride yourself on. What would you want your clients to say to themselves or their peers after working with you? You know, one of the things about this business that I love is that the relationships with clients get better over time. Okay, you know when you I sell. Can't a pl- imagine it's that way for everybody. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it actually is because you know sooner or later people get sick, or a family member gets sick, or they get hurt, or something happens in their life, mm-hmm. and then it tests the relationship. You know, you're mm-hmm. not selling sunshine. You're you are selling a product that is there for people when they are very ill or have have a major concern. And it's not just the product, but it's your your service and, and your staff service, and which is really extension of the agent, you know, which you're dealing with people. So what I find is that by working with people, they trust you more and more over time, and they, and, and they learn to like you and your staff, and you develop very strong working relationships with people. Because as you go through these crises, you know, it, it's something that builds a relationship. And I find that incredibly satisfying because... You know, you're you're there with people, and so so that's one of the things that that I like about the business. And then another thing I would say is that we always want people to think better of us after a problem. You know, it kind of goes in the same theme. Now, I'd say once every five years something goes wrong, and I wouldn't say we necessarily do it, but there's but you know you're always dealing with extenuating circumstances. You're dealing with people's money, and you're dealing with their health. So it's never a perfect situation ever, and you have to just get you have to be good at getting through awkward and difficult situations you know part of that's personal skills part of that's technical skills so you know what i find is that we always want to make people happy with their experience so if there if there is a problem we just always want people to feel better of us after that than before it and that's that's we have that's a written policy in the office you know we don't hide from our clients a lot of times you have to give bad news you know say say the truth is light you know we yeah. we um so, so we're there during something very difficult. We're not magic, you know. We're people, and and we try to to deliver a personal solution to it. But even at the best, it's circumstances. It's messy. Mm-hmm. And the last max, I'd say, you know, just that we deal with integrity. That you know, we always deal with people's interests, their interests at heart, and we look after them. 
And, and it's sort of a self-selecting process, but over time, you know, it's interesting because we don't really have any clients that we don't like. You know, we find that the people that don't earn a good fit don't end up working with us to begin with. Or, and so we have a great relationship with our clients, and, and it's just something that um, is, is we get an incredible intrinsic value out of what we do because it's just incredibly satisfying. It isn't just the money or, hey, we made a sale, but it's like, look, you know, we've got these, you know, these great people and we look after their interests and, uh, you know, and it's, it's very satisfying for, for everyone in here, not just, just me as, as the main agent, but uh, everyone. That's great. So where can people learn more about your business, more about you? Okay, um, I am in Walnut Creek. Um, you can call me at my number is 925-287-8600. I tend to be very phone oriented or, you know, um, you can email me at john at johnhelmsandassociates.com. That's A-N-D. It's kind of a long email, I know. But if you um, would like to talk about health insurance or any type of group benefits, including Group DI, um, you're welcome to give me a call and, and, and we'd love to talk to you. So. Thanks for the plug, Max. I appreciate it. Of course. No, All right. Great speaking with you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And thanks for coming to Plan Francisco. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. Please be sure to subscribe and visit us again soon here at Plan Francisco.